Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking on revive. Everyone say revive. Revive is to bring something to life, to bring something back. And I really believe that we live in a time where we have people that are settling in life. That things that we've hoped for, we've just kind of gotten to the point that this is just the way life is going to be. I'm always going to be at this level financially, always going to be at this level mentally. I'm always going to be in my marriage at this this level. And we, we get to a point where we just, just kind of settle in life. And this word that God gave us at the beginning of the year of Revive was to really speak life to things, to dreams, to hopes that we've given up on. Proverbs 29, verse 18, you've heard this scripture over and over, but I'm going to read it to you in two different uh, versions this morning. It says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Another version puts it this way, when the people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. Bow your heads as we pray this morning, Father, help in Jesus' name, amen. You, you may be seated this morning. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, revive. I, I am a firm believer this morning that most people, it's not Mondays they hate, it's their jobs they hate. Because when Monday comes around, the weekend's over, you have to go to work all over again, and you're going to work, and you're going to a place that you have no vision for, you have no drive for, only reason you're there is to get a paycheck, and you're not working your purpose, you're just working for money. You, you, you can't pay me enough to expend time or energy into something that doesn't move me towards my purpose. I just don't have the energy. I just can't, I, I can't put my life towards something like that because many times, many of us, it's, it's, we're, we're tired many times in our life and not due to physical exhaustion, but due to mental exhaustion because you're having to work yourself up to get ready to go to a job that you have no passion for, to go work at something that you have no drive for. And this morning, I want you to understand that I really believe that in, in America, the thing that we're struggling with isn't uh, not a, enough good jobs, is that we just lack vision. We lack purpose. To find a purpose, and I always tell my daughters this, is don't work a job for money, work your purpose. Because if, you're, if you just take a job because it pays well, eventually you're going to find yourself distraught at that job because no matter how much money you make, you're going to find yourself still empty. Vision keeps us in our lanes. And vision, I want you to want, let me give you a very clear definition of what vision is, very simple definition. It's the ability to see. Vision is just the ability to see. 
And the problem is, is that when you don't have vision or the ability to see in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your body, in your health, or your city, your ministry, when you don't have vision, people perish. They get outside of the lanes that they were created for. And the problem in society isn't a lack of standard. I, I, as a pastor, I hear this all the time. When we see things going on in society, I hear people saying, uh, society is lacking standard. We don't lack standard. What we lack is vision. Because there are great examples of what a good marriage looks like. There are great examples of what a great family looks like. There's great, you don't have to look very far to find a good example of what a man looks like or what a woman looks like or what a family looks like. There are great examples out there. The problem is, is that we just have people that lack vision. They have no vision for these areas. They're surrounded by great examples. It's a lack of personal vision. Let me, let me just share this with you. Personal vision in your faith. Where do you see yourself spiritually? Where do you see yourself in your relationships? Where do you see yourself in your family? Where do you, what vision do you have for your family, for your children, for your marriage? What vision do you have for your finances? Where do you want to be? Not just tomorrow, but five years from now, ten years from now. Where do you see yourself educationally? Where do you see yourself in a business? Do you see yourself working for someone, owning your own business? What's the purpose? And what what do you see yourself as far as your health, for your mind, for educating your mind and so forth? Lack of vision creates lack of boundaries. Say it again, pastor. If you're not going to encourage me, I'll encourage myself, okay? See, I have vision, and so if you're not going to, I'll create my own atmosphere right now, okay? Lack of vision creates lack of boundaries, the Bible says that where there's no vision, people run wild. They don't, they don't stay in their lanes. And if you know anything about track, when you're running track, if you're running the relay and you get outside of your, you end up getting disqualified. You have to stay in your lane and that those lines help you stay at a certain point. They keep you focused and as you run for you, for those of you that know well about track, those lines help keep you in, in line, help keep you focused and running in the right direction. I love what Dr. Miles Monroe said. He said this, the greatest gift God ever gave mankind was not sight, but vision. Sight is the function of the eyes, but vision is the function of the heart. So when you lack vision, you don't lack an eye problem or a physical problem. You lack a heart problem. Whenever you lack vision for the future, it's a heart problem. It's not a sight problem. You see, vision is, a, is, is from your heart. It's not a physical issue. It's a heart issue. And sadly, most, most people have more vision for their money than they do for their family. Say it again, Pastor. You, tell, you, you plan more for your finances than you do for your marriage. You put more time and energy telling your money where to go than where you tell your marriage to go or your children to go. You invest more in your finances than you do in your family. Only thing worse than being blind, Helen Keller said, is having sight but no vision. 
I want to speak to you this morning about unlocking vision. Well, I, I have vision, Pastor. I, I, I do. No, no. I want you to see not just what, as Andy Stanley says, not what could be, but what should be. See, vision has the ability to look at what's going on and say, you know what, man, it would be nice to do this, but not just what should be in my life but, or what could be, but what should be. Not what could be, not just possibilities, but the things that need to take place. And vision has the ability to unlock certain aspects of your life. Now, turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to take you through, I'm going to give you three things this morning that I believe can help unlock your vision and help keep you on track. And let, let me explain it to you this way, okay? When it says that the lack of vision, we end up running outside our lanes. When you have a vision, husbands, listen to me carefully. When you have a vision for your marriage, your vision will keep you in your lane. Which means I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how nice she is. I don't care how many compliments she gives me. I know where I'm headed. Because I have a vision for my marriage, it keeps me in my lane. Come on, somebody. That when I have a vision to get out of debt, it keeps me in my lane. When I have a vision to get to get healthy, it keeps me in my lane. That you got in and out there, jack in the box there. But I stay in my lane. Why? Because I want to get healthy. When you don't have a vision for a certain aspect of your life, that's where you end up getting out of your lane. What's your vision? And it's not just in one area. You have visions that you have to establish both finances and the family. You have to establish them in your, in your walk with God. You have to develop standards, goals. You have to have a vision for aspects of your life. You see, I have to have a vision for my daughters because they, they were too young to have a vision for themselves. So sometimes as parents, we got to dream for our kids when our kids don't know what to dream for. The biggest dream they had when they were kids was a Nintendo PlayStation. And so we had to start having dreams for them that was beyond things. Come on, somebody got to grab this this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says this. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, and this is what he tells them. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. I pray that the what? The light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. This tells me something. This tells me that imagination has eyes. Let me try this side, okay? This tells me that imagination has eyes, all right? What, which, which refers to this is that our creativity is a function of vision, That, that was a little deep for some of y'all. Right now, some of y'all are drowning right now, okay? You're just, you just came to church to hear, you're good, I'm good, we're all good. Every, I'm taking you deeper this morning. I'm challenging some, some, your mind this morning. And if you just came here to sleep your way through, you're, you're going to get lost this morning. But I need you to understand that creativity is, is, is something that God... You are never more like God than when you create. You DJs, while you're, while you're, while you're, spin, you're, you're creating, artists, 
While you're painting, you're creating. While you're cutting hair, you're creating. You are never more like God than when you are creating. When you see someone that's in major financial struggle and you find ways to create to get them out, you are showing off the greatness of God when you use your creativity to bring about another end in someone's life. Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your imagination, everyone say imagination. Disney was, you know, Walt Disney was never more like God than when he was creating and creating a place of imagination. Imagination in the Greek meant mind, understanding, intellect, feeling, or disposition. The Greek word referred to more than just the mind's ability to engage in philosophical or theoretical speculation, but to be creative in thought as well. And so when we talk about imagination, how, how many remember little kids? Little kids will sit there and they will play by themselves with their stuffed animals and they will have conversations and they will be doing different things. And they, with their imagination, children rock. Especially when they have their little friend that you can't see. And they're like, (laughs) sitting right there, mom. See, what Paul tells me is that imagination has eyes. And Paul was saying that some of us have gone blind in our imagination. You know, another word for imagination is hope. The Bible says that where a hope delayed causes the heart to grow sick. When you lose hope for something, you go sick. You've lost the imagination, the creativity to believe. See, many of us have ended up developing cataracts on our imagination. And remember when you were kids? I remember we used to live not far away from here. In fact, right, right over here, right by the golf course. And they used to have a pool right around the corner called the Cabana Club. And that, that's where, you remember that place, Danny, and that your, your grandma and grandfather were right there. We, we would, I would take off from our house to the Cabana Club to go, to go swimming. I would always take my towel, wrap it around my neck, and I would run to the pool. And what would my towel do? And if I put my arms out like this, I was Superman. If I just ran, I was Batman. Depending on my mood, I could become any character I wanted to be because of my imagination. See, the right brain was for our creativity, for our, for our ability to create, to, to, to imagine things. And when a child is young, they operate from the right brain. It's not until we start growing up and they start going to school do we start teaching them to awaken the left brain, which is their reasoning. They don't touch that, that's hot. Get away from the, because from, from, little kids have no, no fear. They, they will walk to the edge of something and they're ready to jump off of it. They, they, kids have no fear. And so we have to awaken the right, the left side of their brain to get them to kind of pause for a moment so they don't do something stupid. The problem is, is that we teach so many facts that in the process of awakening the left brain, we've taught people to shut down their right side. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your imagination, your creativity would be opened. He says, notice what he uses there, that faith is the bridge between the left, right brain and the left brain, between, the, between uh, creativity 
and fact, to be able to look at the possibilities of what God can do. God wants to use both sides of your brain together to bring about great things in your life. God wants to revive. Someone say revive. He wants to revive your faith today. He wants to revive your vision. So I want you right now, just for a moment, just close your eyes right where you are. I want you to imagine what God can do. I want you to think about an impossibility that you're facing. And I want you just to imagine what God can do. About how God is going to choose some great things. You're in a situation right now where you feel like there's no way out. I want you to pray that the eyes of your imagination would be open this morning. And that you would just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of my imagination. That you can do whatever you want to do. Whenever you want to do it, in my life, my marriage, my relationships, my children, my business, my city, my ministry, my future, my situation, my church and my heart. Amen. I believe God wants to revive some some imagination this morning. He wants to open up some vision in your life. So let me give you three things that that he shares. Number one, he says this. He goes, I pray that the eyes of your imagination would be open, okay? Then flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation. Someone say full revelation. Which is the hope of his calling. First thing I want you to see is this. What Paul's saying is that in order for your creativity to open up its eyes again, is that the first thing that we need to have is this, is we have to have hope. We have to have a hopeful, hopeful attitude. Some of y'all are so negative that even if your blood was B positive, it would become B negative. <laughs> Everything's negative to you. Everything, every situation. It could be sunny. Oh, I'm going to get a sunburn. It could be cold outside or snowy. It's too cold. Well, whatever it is, you, you just, there's never anything positive about you. It's time to recognize that Satan doesn't mind you getting saved. He just doesn't want you to realize your calling. And so if you, you can, I'll let you get to heaven. Just don't affect anyone else getting to heaven. Just don't walk and be, solve anyone else's problems. Just deal with your own issue. Why? Because Satan operates in dark, but God operates in, in light. And that's why he says, I pray that the light of your understanding would be open. That the light of your imagination. Because listen, understand, Satan doesn't just rule in darkness. He rules by darkness. Say it again, Pastor. He rules by darkness. Darkness is always reflectant of knowledge or lack of knowledge or lack of revelation. So when you don't know something, Satan then has the opportunity or the right to have control over your life. Let me explain it to you this way. Where you don't know something, Satan has the right to rule your life in that area of your life. So that's why when you you get a revelation of something, you have now become free in that area that you were once dark in. See, when you don't know that you have a right to healing, you will stay in sickness. When you don't know you have a right for your marriage to be whole, you will stay in that dysfunction. Come on, somebody. Light has the ability to relieve. See, Satan has control in our lives many times because you don't realize you have a right to freedom in that area. So what he says is, I, 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 want you to, 
The thing, I want you to have a hopeful attitude. I want light to be turned on in your light, in your life. I don't want you to be ignorant. And so this morning, I want you to know light, light bulb going on. I want you to know what you have the right to this morning. You have a right to have a relationship with God. You have a right to not walk in depression. You have a right for your family to be whole. You have a right to be out of debt. You have a right not to be addicted. You have a right to be in freedom. You have a right to walk with hope. You have a right to have a vision. You have the right to something better than what you're going through. Salvation is just a down payment of everything God's promised in your life. Don't just get your ticket to heaven and then go through hell. And many of us, we get our ticket to heaven and then on life we go through hell. That's not what God wants. Number two, God wants you to understand that you have an inheritance. Oh, come on, somebody. Look at Ephesians chapter. He goes on and says this. So until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. See, you have the right to something more. What's inheritance? Take a look at this. Inheritance means inheritance, possession, or portion. Inheritance is the practice of passing on property, passing on titles, or rights to upon the death of an individual. So inheritance is only good when what happens? When someone dies, you don't get an inheritance until that person passes away. The thing that sucks is that you get all their stuff, but then you lose a person. Jesus died on the cross so that we could get the inheritance. And then three days later, he goes, you get me too. So you get everything that I I paid for. But you also get me as well. I died, but I came back again. And so I love what Chris Valentin says. He says this is that we live on three different levels. And you got to figure out which one that you're operating on. Number one is blessing or curse. Blessing is when you do the right thing and something good happens to you. Or curse is when you do the right thing and the wrong thing keep happen, happen, happening to you. So I'm doing the right thing, but the wrong thing happens. There's a curse on my life. I'm struggling with these these curses or sowing and reaping. I sow something good. I get some. Some people try to call that karma. That's not karma. God created that. It's called sowing and reaping. Okay. God said, if you you plant the seed, you will. If you don't like the harvest you've been getting in your marriage, in your children, in your family, or in your finances. Don't get mad at the harvest. Change your seed. Change what you're planting. I love garden. We started gardening. In fact, I already started planting my garden for this next year. Got them growing in the garage. I got a, went and ordered a, a lamp from my own little grow light in the garage. And neighbors think I'm growing weed because I got <laughs> that glow light going on in the, in the garage. You drive down the street, you see my little glow lights going on in the garage at night. So you got blessing and curse, you got sowing and reaping, and then you have the highest level is inheritance. Where you don't get what you deserve, you get what God paid for. 
Oh, come on, somebody. This is what, what, what the Apostle Paul's saying. He's saying this. Listen, I want you to see that you have an inheritance. You don't even have to worry about sowing and reaping. You don't have to worry about blessing and curse. That when you walk into Christ, you get inheritance. That you will get what God paid for. Third thing, everyone say number three. Worship team, if you would help me as I close this morning. Number three, understand the exceedingly great power available to you. As I close, I want you to see this. He says this in verse 19 of Ephesians 1. He says, I pray that you would continually experience immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertising of this immense power as it works through you, this mighty power. I want you to notice there's four different Times power is mentioned in the scripture. And each time it's a different word. We want things to take place in our life, but he says that there's a power that we have to rely on. These four powers, number one, first power he says is dunamis. That's ability. That that is what's already inherent in you, a capacity, a potential. Do you understand that a fish doesn't have to learn to swim? It's already in them. They don't have to learn to breathe underwater. It's already in them. God already wired every creature on the face of this earth to do what it was designed to do. A bird to fly, fish to swim, for plants to grow, for cows and cattle to operate in the field. God put in them the DNA for them to operate in whatever environment that they're in. God wired you for dominion. He said, let us create mankind in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. You don't have to learn to have dominion. It is already wired in you. God wired it in you to to rule, to, to shift atmospheres, to transform environments. It's it's in you. That's why you get upset when things are out of your control. Because you were designed to shift atmospheres. It's in you. You don't have to learn. It's in you. That's power. Dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. Second one is energia. That's energy, effort, operating power. And this is the problem is that many of y'all, you got the dunamis. You got the power in you. You're just too lazy to use it. You're praying for open doors. You're like, God, please open the door. God says, get up and turn the knob. (laughs) God, I'm trusting you. God, open this door. God says, turn the knob and walk through. That's energy. God's giving you the energy. He's giving you the Ability, the dunamis, but there's also an energy that you have to use. You don't need a a, a monster. You don't need a five-hour energy. You don't need something to give you the ability. The Holy Spirit gives you the energy that you need to rise up and accomplish the task. It's called a vision. See, one of the things I notice is that whenever I start getting tired, it's not because I'm physically burnt out. It's because I've lost vision. When you have a passion for your marriage, it drives you. You have a passion to get out of debt. $250,000 paid off in less than five years. How do you stay on that kind of track? Vision. How do you get in that kind of shape? Vision. 
third word is kratos, which is responsibility, dominion, or authority. You have the right. Not only do you have the might, you have the right to do these things. Dads, it's time to step up and be the father that you need to be in your household. You have the right to be that. You have the right to stand up for your family. The third or the fourth one is strength, power, the possession of power or forcefulness. It's this. It's the ability to work it. It's the forcefulness. It's the. It's, it's this. It's this uh, force that comes with you. The Bible says that the kingdom of, uh, of the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force, by energy, by power. It's time to rise up. Stop sitting back and waiting for God to do what you've been called to do. You're praying, God, would you do this? And God says, I gave you the ability to do it. Stand to your feet with me. Vision takes power. Ability, energy, reliability, or responsibility, and force to bring about. As I close, I want you to see what Ephesians 1.20 says as we close this morning. This mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead, exalted him to the highest place of honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. He's talking about the power. Then he says, this power that raised Christ from the dead. Another version puts it this way, and I love it better, and it says it this way. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and placed him at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power, same power. Come on, picture with me. Empty a a tomb where the lifeless body of Jesus is laying there for three days. It's cold, it's damp, he's wrapped up. Blood stains from the crown of thorns, blood stains from the pierce on his side, the holes in his hands and on his feet, and he's wrapped up in this cold slab. And then all of a sudden, on Easter Sunday morning, a power hits that body, and life and light shoot through it. And what was dead and rigor mortis and began to decay comes to life. And all of a sudden, what was destroyed and what was lifeless and had nothing going on, now breath is in it, life is in it. He doesn't come out in a wheelchair. He doesn't come out in a stretcher. Jesus comes out in fullness and total restoration. The Bible says this same mighty power is operating in you. Same power. What are you going through right now that's dead and dying? Something that you've given up hope on. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. There's nothing that can remain dead when the power of God comes alive in you. Everyone say revive. Some of you, you haven't been here, so you don't know anything about the green card. These green cards here, you know, we're writing down things that we're believing God to revive in 2019. 
things that we're believing God to revive in our lives, in our family, in our personal life, in the city, whatever it is, you're, you're writing down things and we're connecting them to the cross. Why? Because the cross is the bridge the, of our hope. This is the very thing we hope for. Because if Jesus was dead, then everything we're doing here is for nothing. That's why people go to Israel and they visit the tomb of Jesus, an empty tomb. Who goes to an empty tomb? And they go in there and they walk in. People will go to tombs of of Elvis and they'll pay their respects. They'll go to Muhammad and pay their respects. They'll go to all Confucius and pay their respects. But when you go to the tomb where Jesus was laid, you get people that are walking in to see nothing. Traveling all over, across the pond to get to an empty tomb. And then when they get there, they celebrate. Because the guest of honor isn't there. Because he revived. Same power. Same power. Close your eyes right now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.